episode of Finding Japan. Actually, got a very special guest today, a co-worker and friend from the world-famous fruit shop, Shaka Haynes, man. What's up? Appreciate you having me. Appreciate it, Terrence. Yeah. So I wanted to have you on because I just think your background is interesting and the things you're trying to do are pretty cool. So, yeah. Maybe we can start off with, yeah, like I mentioned, we work together. When did you get into the shop? Um, I've been with the world famous fruit shop in Japan for about almost a year now, going on a year. Going yeah, on a year. you mentioned in Japan because uh, you were also working for them back in the states. Yeah, prior to that, I was uh, on the slave ship stateside as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> HMS uh, TC initials of our boss. Uh, Nah, it's good. It's a good company. No, it's great. It's great. It's great. I I referred to any job that you don't create yourself as a slave ship, so that could be, you know, that's not Uh, a good You go with the slave ship, I go with the plantation. (laughs) There you go. There you go. (laughs) Some of our terminology at work, back of house. Right? (laughs) Right. Front of house. Right, right. Just like that. Uh, Just like that. No, but it's it's awesome, and it has, you know, there's awesome people there, so... Yeah, it's no no complaints from no Yeah. So what brought you this is not your first time in Japan. No, no. So actually my first time in Japan was when I was seventeen. Uh when I graduated from high school, uh my uncle actually uh asked me to come to Japan. He was like, Hey, he was like, uh, you know, you graduated from high school, I wanna, you know, get, give you something or give you an experience, you know come to Japan, check it out, you know, travel a little bit, see the world. And I was like, you know, I appreciate that, but I really have no interest in coming to Japan whatsoever. You know, I'm 17, I'm, you know, I was senior year, just graduated. So I'm like, you know, I want to enjoy my summer, you know, hang out with my friends, so on and so forth. So I was totally like anti-Japan, not really anti-Japan, just like anti anywhere besides where I was. Yeah. You know? So you were never like a, you didn't grow up. You weren't one of those like, Oh, I love Naruto and anime. No, no. You had none of that. Actually, like uh, I was like a late bloomer when it when it came to you know the whole anime anime stuff. But definitely, I, I definitely got into it eventually for sure. But initially, that's not what kind of you know like hooked me as mm-hmm. far as like my attraction to Japan. It was more so like the culture, the people, uh, like the environment being completely foreign. From you know, compared to what where I come from, where I grew up, so it was more so like the it was like almost like a zoo, you know. It was like nothing was similar. Yeah, <laughs> it was like yeah. there's no similarities whatsoever. So that was what kind of piqued my interest initially. So what was up with your uncle? Was he, I mean, was he running a business here, or what was he doing out here in Japan? Uh, my uncle's a pretty famous guy on his own regard he's, all right yeah yeah so he's uh he's he's doing okay you can uh, you can encode it just wondering you know so so my my I just, full disclosure like my uncle has probably been in japan for almost like maybe at least like 10 or 15 years so mm-hmm. he's like established on his own regard and i think he kind of wanted to like pass the baton so to speak or like uh you know 
kind of give his, you know, pass out his experiences. Yeah. Japan and, had a right. big effect on his life. Exactly. He's like, hey, Shaka, man, change my life. Why don't exactly. you come out, you know, exactly. have a little taste. Exactly. It might not be for you, yeah. but hey, you never know until and I, you. And that was exactly it. Like, as far as what his interests are, his hobbies and things of that nature are completely different than mine. Mm-hmm. However, like, you can go anywhere on earth and you can make the most of, like, the opportunities that you're presented with. So yeah. I think he wanted to put me in a position to win. And, you know, so yeah, you didn't yeah. end up coming out. So what what happened was I told my uncle no, and then my mom asked me. She was like, "Please, I want you to go." I told her no, and then and then, and then mom, you know, moms they they always know like the sweet spots, and they always yeah. know like what 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 you know push you over the edge. And I was like, "No, not going. Sorry, you don't have to ask me more. It's not happening." And she was like, "Well, I'll pay you to go," and I was like, "Well." When do I leave? Like, <laughs> I don't know if that's a mom's knowledge. Well, I mean, she knew she knew what buttons were pushing. Yeah. That was all about that. I but was your like, uncle wasn't like, "Hey man, I got you, a, I got you a first class ticket." Well, on, my uncle, on that was what, that was that was what he had. He, he was like, I, "I got a first class ticket to Japan," but I had it was like there was nothing over here like intriguing yeah. me yeah. to get on that plane. It was just it was just like. A foreign place. It was like, hey, do you want to go to the Willy Wonka chocolate factory? I was like, mm, no. That's so. funny because there's a. Um, this is a little bit weirdly unrelated, but related. Uh, I was watching a while back on YouTube. I was watching the Ellen Show, and there was a story about this Starbucks where the manager hired this guy with autism, yeah. and really helped him develop skills, the working skills, and and uh, they showed video of him. And you know, he does the movement as right. he works, but he's you know he's really going right. coming along really well. And Ellen then goes, you know, like, so you had this dream since you were a kid. What is it? He's like, to go to Japan. And I was like, what? Right. Like, not to be like, why is this autistic kid? But I yeah. just thought that was so cool. Yeah. And that's, and and the way she set up to go somewhere, I was like, don't tell me. Right. Don't tell me. And yeah. then this kid was like, Japan. Yeah. This guy who has this uh, disability or difficulty with things in life, but he had this inspiration. I yeah. just thought that was so cool. So, no, it is. It is. And I think uh, a lot of people are attracted to Japan because of the, its uniqueness and it's like, uh the traditions like it's it's one of those places that you read in like social studies and it's still like that like you know like you can read about like american history and then you go to boston or you go to you know somewhere like the yeah. you know, colonial states and it's nothing like that like you might see a building from you know from yeah. the history book but it's like the culture is completely different you can read about japan and it comes to Japan and still see those traditions being practiced and still see those people. I think that's like, it's like having a time machine or something like that. So I, I think that's definitely, uh, definitely a, a pull for, for everyone. I know it is for me. It's like the, the rich culture. If you, if you really think about it, um, like America, like the States is so young. We really don't have our own culture. Like we're creating it right now. Right. So it's like, I'm actually to an extent like jealous, you know, to a certain extent of like Japan because they have a rich culture and tradition yeah. and being African-American is like, you know, well, we don't, it's, we don't, it's rich and long, right? It's well, also yeah, dark. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's dark and ominous. Yeah, right? So like, it's like, that's good. I'm good. If yeah. I have to read one more right? book about, but even, but even, even, even the bad part is still, it's still like just a drop. It's not really a, a large sample size. So you can't yeah. really say, you can't really count that as our culture because it's just only a hundred. You know, it's like it's like it's not. It's, you can go back a good four hundred. We go back a good four hundred. We're almost not even here. You know, it's yeah. like it's, it's, not, it's not even us. It's, not, true. Even, it's true. not. It's not even us. So, but I do like sometimes telling like, like 
white Americans who are of right. immigrant descent, like like you know, because I'm American, you know, blah, and like a, yeah. the code is that I'm not quite American. I'm right. like, well, slow down. Right, right, right. We <laughs> Asian, we got here Asian, around yeah, the same yeah, time, yeah. bro. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. HMS bullshit picked mm-hmm. us up about a good four hundred years. I was somebody was running around yeah. Ghana and got yeah. his ass picked up right. about right. a good three hundred years ago. So right. Don't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I got sponsored, bro. So you guys drafted me. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys made me come here. Exactly. No, but well, it's, it's cool. No, again, yeah. the, the Japan's rich culture is really what intrigued me. I think I was about after I, after I came. So I was in Japan after uh, high school for two months. Okay. So, so I was here for, staying at your uncle's place, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was I was here for two months. Didn't speak any Japanese, had no Japanese friends. And like, I had this girlfriend back home. And all I did was like, you know, like Skype my girlfriend, like SMS my girlfriend. I was like, just in the house. So my uncle was was mad. He was like, hey, if you're gonna be in the house every day, there's no different than you, you know, being in California right now. There's no difference. You're in yeah. the house, you're in a room all day, every day. What's it's no point of you being in Japan. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, I said I would come here and say I, was, <laughs> I didn't say I was gonna walk around in a kimono or that's, anything that's like a that. Trip because, you know, like since I met you, you're like this open, energetic, like, you know, just like like curious, adventurous kind of guy, right? And that's so interesting to see how that that wasn't always a part of your personality. I mean to some degree I'm sure it was, but how like to you, Japan coming to Japan was the same way like a picky eater just looks at like anything yeah. that's not meat and potatoes and just sits there and pokes at it and is like No, I like I've always been like an extrovert, so to speak, but like when you take someone out of their comfort zone, yeah, and then you implant them in, in a in an environment where they can't even communicate yeah. or articulate themselves yeah. then you change the dynamics of everything but some people love that shit like they'll come out of iowa and i've met these dudes yeah. the navy and stuff like yeah corn-fed iowan dude yeah. like if you met him in america you've been a little bit like i hope you're not on that side of yeah. being an american you know like like and then he comes out he's like yeah i don't know shit about Japanese. i hadn't had fish since until i was 20 and then they just blow up like a butterfly they just I, love it i think it's a little like the situation is a little different because they have somewhat of a support system mm-hmm. right so they they uh experience japan for hours yeah right and maybe days if you come here and live here and you're not associated with the service or yeah. anything like you have to spend 24 hours yeah in an environment where you can't actually communicate or interact with yeah. the individuals around you. That, that's like, that's almost like being in jail. Like it's like, yeah. it's like you're like in jail, especially, yeah. it's, especially if you're an extrovert, if you're an introvert, then you can kind of like, you know, you don't really communicate anyway. You, anyway. So it's like, you're not really missing out or yeah, nothing really yeah, changes. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I think you're missing out. I mean, you're not, no, but I mean, it's like, it's like business as usual. For oh yeah. For you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right, yeah, right? Yeah. But if you're an extrovert, it's like you're, like, yeah, your personality, you right. can't even like be the person that you are. Right. So it's like, it's, it's humbling. It's like, it's humbling, not embarrassing. I won't say embarrassing, but at the same time, when you're an adult and then you can't communicate and when you try to communicate, you sound like a, you know, six year old, like that's like, whoa, what just happened? Yeah. Like, you know, yesterday I was an adult yeah. now I'm a little kid and it's yeah. like, you know, I'm trying to. You gotta get in touch with your inner imperialist at that time. You know, you, you gotta read your Richard Kipling, right? Instead right. of white man's burden, the black man's burden. Right. It's a little different, but but you, and then come out like those guys who come out and come to Japan right. and 
and they go out mm. and they're extroverted, but they only insist on doing it in their code. Right. They have no like, right. there's no adapting. Exactly. It's all exactly. like co-opting. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. amazing. Like, exactly. like some of these dudes just run through the country. Like, yeah. It's, no, it's I, like, I see that. I see yeah. that. And I, I think they, they're missing out, but it, it works for them. So I'm, yeah. you know, that's yeah. neither here nor there. But you yeah. know, I, so so you're here for two months. And you're like just staying in the house. You're skyping your girlfriend. What was the thing that like? And but finally, your uncle's like, "Look, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so your foolish ass needs to get out." Well, like one morning he came in, he was like, "Hey, he's like, you gotta from you know from you're gonna be here for two months, and this is this is what you're gonna have to do. Every morning, I want you out of the house by 10 a.m. and then don't come back until the, the sun's down, the, the sun goes down." And I was like, well, what, is, what does that mean? I don't understand. <laughs> he was like, what do you mean? What does it mean? It means you leave at 10 a.m. and you come back when the sun is out. I'm taking away your house Negro privileges. And I was like, well, what am I, what am I supposed to do? He was like, I really don't care what you do. You just, you're just oh, not going to be in the house. Yeah. Right? So at that time, like, I mean, the only thing I really knew how to do was, like, play basketball. So every day I would leave 10 a.m., go to uh, Komazawa, Cohen. Mm-hmm. And play basketball from 10 a.m. to the sun went down. Oh, nice. And then, I, you know, I, that's the time where I actually found that, like, sports are like the, inter, it's like an international language. You don't actually have to speak the same language as long as you know the rules of the, so the game. Japanese cats on Yeah, the yeah. so it's just yeah. all Japanese people. And I'm, like, 17. Everyone else is, like, 23, 24, yeah. 30. Everyone's time, older. That's, that's huge. Right. Yeah, when you're 17. But it, I'm this like American kid. And I'm bigger than these guys, and they're yeah. like already adults and stuff like that. And I'm just like wearing these dudes out for hours and yeah. hours. I'm just enjoying it. But I'm making all these friends, you know. And it's like, even though I really can't communicate, like I'm communicating through through the yeah. game of basketball, yeah. right? So plus, like, plus you know they love it, man. I go out to the court, and we got a brother yeah, yeah, yeah. who yeah. play basketball. When yeah. you know they just loved it. Yeah. It was just like they were waiting for you. There yeah. was something missing in their basketball life, and then you walked in. I was the I was oh, the man. little bow of the time. Yeah, oh, I, was, I was I was doing it. I was doing it. Oh, so man. that's what I did. But it's it's funny. Like at that time, that's when I probably made like some of the best friends of my life. At that time, just playing basketball mm-hmm. randomly at this park for hours on hours, and. Those, the people that I met there are like my friends to this day. And it's like so crazy. It's like, that's an opportunity that I took advantage of, but I could have easily missed that, you know, that, that window and not had these, these, these experiences or these friends, but these friends, I've, they've taken me to like Singapore, like different countries. They've come and visited me in California. They've gone to Mexico. Like it's crazy. Like we've had all these experiences together, but I could easily miss that window of opportunity if I, you know, didn't, yeah. you know, go outside yeah, the house. Yeah, you know, say, hey, right, get out right, the house. Right, and right. then you were like, you, you got out the house, and you didn't actually do anything out right, of your comfort exactly, zone. Exactly. But it was just enough. Just enough. It was just. It was a bridge. Mm. So you didn't go out to the other land, but you stood on the bridge. Exactly. You know, yeah. Exactly. So like basketball. So that did that pretty much like you made those friends. You spent the two months, and then was that it for like that chapter? Yeah. So I went home after that, but you know I kept in contact with everyone, and then you know all my friends were like, "Hey, we want to come to California. Can you show us around?" I was like, "Sure." Mostly, I think all my friends that I met came to California and showed them around, and then when they came back, they were like, "Hey, come to Japan," and I was like, "You know." 
it's not really like down the street. Like, you know, it's like, you know, it's not the easiest trip to make. You know, I've been there already and they were just like, no, come, come. It's like, you can do this, you can do this, so much opportunity. You know, you know, you love it. You know, I want to help you, blah, 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 blah. So everybody was like, come to Japan, come to Japan. And at the time I was actually working for, you know, the world fruit company. And uh, that was going going cool, but it was like uh, I kind of saw like the future. I saw it was like this like buy a house, have a car, make some kids. That's your life. And I didn't, you know, I was like, ah, I'm not really yeah. built for this type of like. Not that there's anything wrong with that type of life, but it was like that's not really what I'm trying to get out of my years on this planet. Yeah, you right? still have time too, right? Like you could yeah, always Yeah, it's like, yeah, I still wanna, you know, yeah. I still wanna put my chips in the middle, you know, go all in a couple of times before yeah, like put your I, hands. Yeah, yeah, before I settle for for that. And not that that's even settling, but before that's the route that, you know, I I take, I wanna definitely, you know, try my hand a few other things. So I kinda like, you know, like built on my confidence a little bit, like, you know what, I'm gonna, you know, Make the leap. I have all these friends. I have the support system. My uncle's there. You know, why not? And here I am. Here I am. So this was... So your first time in Japan, was that in the Tokyo area or in the... Tokyo. Okay. When yeah. were you... Weren't you in the Kansai area for a little bit too? No. Okay. What made I, you think that? Oh, you were thinking about it because you were thinking about going to language. Yeah, school. yeah, yeah. We yeah. talked about that. Yes. Yeah, so when I was going to come back the second time, I knew language was the key. And then I didn't really have like any crazy money to just be, you know, private tutor, just that I had to do something that was practical and made sense from a monetary standpoint. So I did like crazy research and I found like this language school and it was like in Kansai Mm -hmm. and it was like, uh, I think it was like maybe 4,500 bucks for a year or something like that. And I was like, whoa, that's that's reasonable, right? I was like, I can do that. For a year, yeah. And I was like a year of like straight school day in and day out I should have like a, a, a like a, a solid like like footing, mm-hmm. you know, in the language at least a good start, a starting point at least. So I was like, you know, that's the plan. That's that's what I'm gonna do. So I started, you know, making the reservations, call, talk to counselors, stuff like that, and then um, I talked to my friends, and, I, and they were like, "So when are you coming?" I told them, "I was like, hey." You know, I'm coming. However, I'm going to go to Kansai first and like go to school for a year and then I'll make my way over to Tokyo. They're like, whoa, why, why are you going to do that? A, what's going on? I was like, oh, I want a language school. They're like, well, there's language schools here. I was like, yeah, the language schools in Tokyo are like super expensive. It's, you know, it's cheaper if I go if I go there. And they're like, well, yeah, it is cheaper, but. Yeah, you shouldn't. You shouldn't go to language school. There. I was like, what's, what's, like, are they killing people there? Like, what's, what's going on? And they're like, no. And they're like, no. Like, going to school. They're like, learning Japanese. Like in Kansai, it's like, it's like, Kansai man is like. Yeah. Going going to Texas to learn English. Yeah, you know what? And, and I was like, hey, as a long time Kansai resident, that's bullshit. Hey, hey, that's, hey. A, that's such Tokyo Japanese person. This, this yeah. wasn't this wasn't this wasn't coming from me. This is what this I'm is. Not, this is I'm this not is coming from you. So. I think I told you this. Yeah, yeah. Your Japanese friends were just like maybe they've been down on the Shinkansen to Kansai once or two times. They they, uh, they watch the comedy shows on TV. They don't know anything about Western Japan. Like you would learn. They don't teach Kansai Ben at the school. That's one. Too. I think, but if you if you like the little the, the little Japanese that I know now, yeah, it is very interesting when you hear foreigners with a concept. It's very distinct because it's already distinct when a foreigner speaks Japanese. Yeah, 
Then when you hear them with the concept, and then it's like, what's going on here? Right? It's, awesome, it's, a, awesome. it's not that it's a bad thing, but it's very like it's a quiver in it's, it's very it's like already it's already weird when you hear yeah. foreigners speak Japanese. Then it's like really weird when you hear the concept being going on. It's like what? Right? Yeah, but so, most people who speak Japanese well, who speak who can, and who can speak concept and they can switch it. Yeah. I mean, you don't switch it. You know, it's not like when I speak formally to somebody, I'm not speaking Kansai band. Right. I, mean, I know how to switch it off because everybody in Kansai knows how to do that too. And people might hear the accent, but right. I think one problem with Japan is that people need to be more accepting of accents. Like mm. in, in Japan, a lot of times people will be like, well, your intonation is not standard. Your intonation is not right. standard either. It's Kanagawa. Just because you think you live in the center of Japan doesn't and, make your intonation standard. And I don't think like speaking Kansai band is any, is like a negative, but I think what my friend was thinking is like, it's, it's one less hurdle you have to overcome. Yeah, or, you know, so it's like, even yeah. though like it should be this way, this should be the standard. It shouldn't, you shouldn't look I down think, on this. I language. think you would have loved it in Kansai, man. I think I, I would have tore it up. Everyone says it's kind of like California, it's like more like California style. Yeah, so I, yeah. I think maybe like it had been the, like the transition would have yeah. been a little easier, especially like if people like more warm hearted. Like Tokyo is very like New Yorkish, like people are like cold at times and stuff like that and kind of standoffish. So I think if I went to a place where everyone's warm hearted by default, I think that would have definitely uh, resonated a little bit. And I just think like when you live in Japan for a long time, look, at the end of the day, you look, yeah, for a lot of people, for a lot of things you want to do in Japan, Tokyo is going to be the final destination. Right, right, right. But if you can have an experience somewhere else, yeah. and then you can experience that, it doesn't have to be Kansai. You can yeah. live in Kyushu, Fukuoka for a few years, live up north, northern Japan, yeah. and then come out to the big city. I right. think your perspective of Japan changes. Yeah. A lot of people have this like very Tokyo-centric idea of Japan, including Japanese people. Yeah, I mean, it's what he said. I tell all my friends all the time, they go, how's Japan? I was like, well, I really can't. Tell you how Japan is, <laughs> but I can tell you I can tell you what Tokyo's like. But I've never really, you know, I've probably been outside of Japan, out of Tokyo, a handful of times, and every time it's like you know a day trip yeah. or like a couple of days going to like an onsen or something like that. So I really can't really give someone a whole synopsis of what Japan life is like because I've never lived in the countryside and I've never you know been in that town where there's no foreigners you're the only one and like you know I haven't had those experiences so when people say how's Japan I was like well that's like that's like saying how's America like you know I can't really you know right so I can't really answer that but I can tell you what Tokyo is like I always tell Japanese people that they want to learn English and they go to America I'm like they're like okay there's a school in LA and there's a school in Oklahoma I'm like go to Oklahoma go to Oklahoma go to Oklahoma sure you might meet some people who do the slanty things with the eyes and and talk to you like ching chong chong and do horrible things like that but you're also going to learn English you go to California you're just going to find other Asians other Japanese to hang out with and you're gonna have too much cool stuff to do that's not gonna you can go there later if you yeah. have like you wanna get in the music industry or right, if you wanna right. do something in Hollywood or right. Silicon Valley, whatever it is, yeah. fine, get there. But first go do your go do your university or your English yeah. language study in like South Carolina, you know. South Carolina yeah. so like, I think I I don't think I always tell people not to go down south. But I think it's good because they it's the, the likelihood that they're gonna run into other Japanese people or people that speak the same language is it's like like almost yeah. little to none. But right? in some way the South is the most America. No, I think well, I think like if you if like someone goes to Boston, I think that's the almost the best representation of like kind of like America. Hmm. Right? Because I, I feel like I feel like this is my stance. I feel like California and New York are their 
own animals. Like mm-hmm. you can't you can't go to California and say you've experienced America because California is like no other yeah. place in America, right? Yeah. So if you go to California and you think this, this that's your perception of America, you're completely mm-hmm. like this is not how this is not business as usual. This is California. If you go to New York and you're like, oh, I love America, it's like this, like no, yeah. this is this is this is. New York. I, I call New York a book publisher city. Right. Where right. the way Tokyo is. It's yeah. London, Paris, New right. York, Shanghai, yeah. Tokyo. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, exactly. If you go to Shanghai, you haven't seen China. Right. right. Shanghai. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's one of the it's one of the pages on it. It wasn't, but back in the day, you know, the, all the books, the printing right. press would have a Hamilton publishing. Right, it would be right, Tokyo, right. London, New York, right. you know. Right. So it's like one of those kind of cities, right. you know. So, but Boston, yes and no. Boston is the U.S. the way Kyoto is Japan, it is, but it's almost like you took a capsule from revolutionary time period, and so it's a good like historical. It's a, it's, it's a good historical representation. But it's not a good overall balance like vanilla America. I still would go with the Midwest for that. But the reason I bring up the South yeah. is because I think the South, that history, right, is the most. It's America distilled. It's America that had to overcome its worst and still sometimes has remnants of that terrible history and i just think that when people go to california or people go to new york or people go to boston right. it's some ways too cosmopolitan mm-hmm. so you're seeing america distilled through like the better angels over its nature and i'm not trying to say that the south is a crappy place i'm mm-hmm. just saying that the south's legacy right. is so raw right. that when a japanese person goes there and they go oh whoa like this country still struggles with this and this is i can see how good this country has become right. but i can also see why this country has so many problems. See, I agree with you as far as the South being somewhere where it's like almost capsulized or mm-hmm. distilled. But I think Boston gives you like the best of both worlds. So I actually I actually lived in Boston. Okay. When I, when and I you can say it, much right? more than me. Cool. And the yeah. thing that I love most about Boston, or what surprised me most, in Boston they celebrate every holiday. I mean, every holiday like when i was in california when we it was like columbus day that was just like a day off like you didn't have to go to school i didn't really know what that yeah. meant Nearly was like you, no, know, I'm, like you I'm, know i'm part of the unknowing black people <laughs> purpose to go to work on, on columbus day i walk up to the office and security guys like today's off no, i'm going to work right, i don't right. celebrate columbus yeah. day. no i'm just joking. i mean in boston Terrible. like every like there was a there was a parade for every like there was like like well, their ethnic their ethnic groups are very long history and very right. distinct communities. Right. You know, Irish part of town, right. black part of town. Right. Uh, what are the other Italian? Exactly. You know. So I think like that being the case, it's a good representation because they like that's unique, right? Mm-hmm. You can't like in California, like up. Oh, we don't have to go to work tomorrow. We're like, why not? It's Martin Luther King's day. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what does that mean? You know, yeah. you know. But in, in Boston, like they celebrate every holiday. At every house, they have like the American flag hanging out. Halloween, you got thousands of kids in the street, not like some houses participating in the hand. Okay, no. Oh wow, thousands of kids in the middle of the street. Everyone, so it's kind of like it's like a real like if you watch a movie, uh-huh. like it's like real America. Like that's how that's how I felt. Now, now when I went to school, you when convinced I, me. <laughs> when, I, when I went to when I went to school, when I went to I, my elementary school was like K through twelve. 
And I think in the entire school might have been like four black kids, wow. right? So from a diversity standpoint, it might not be the best. Yeah, I know best, that's not what you're arguing. You know, it I, might I, I not be, you know. Yeah. And I don't think, look, some of the places when I say Japanese person go to Oklahoma, I'm not saying right. because there's going to be a lot of black people right, there. Right, or right, people. right, right. Yeah, you might be primarily around white people. Yeah. That's fine. Right, right. One, just get away from that cosmopolitan LA, exactly. vanilla, where you can run into Asian sanctuaries. Right, that's right, one. And right. two, go see something about America that... Might make you uncomfortable, but also might make you meet some of the warmest people. You right, know, like right. that homestay person, that right. white family that takes you in. They're going right. to be like your second family. Right, and they're right. going to give you a passport into America. Right. Because to be frank with you, man, you know, white people still run the show. So if you <laughs> have a white host family yeah. that, that that takes you around, you get to see America from, from kind of inside the default. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying don't go to homestay with a Hispanic family or a black, black family or don't experience those other things. But a vanilla place, right. whether that's right. Iowa or Boston. Boston sounds like a good, great. I never thought about it that way, but yeah. it makes sense what yeah. you said. I like I, I like Boston. It's just the the weather and uh, the accent. There you go again. Yeah. They have their own kind side yeah. thing going on. Yeah, they do. First they time do. I went to, to to Boston, my mom she uh, we were in like the U-Haul truck, and I think we got lost or something. And I remember she got out the car and the window was down, so I could like hear her asking for directions. And she was talking to this guy. And I remember I heard this guy talk. And I heard my mom talking to this guy. And then she's like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And she got back in the car. And I was like, hey, mom, so what language were you guys speaking? <laughs> like, like what, was, what was this language that you were speaking a second ago? Yeah. Like, it's like so, like, I can't even explain it, but yeah. it's so unique. Like, it's kind of like been of America. Yeah. Like, it's like. It's crazy. Like, what? It's crazy. And Bostonians love it, too. I was like, and they know how to, you know, they'll ratchet up. They'll hometown it, and they'll ratchet it down. When they come out of Boston, they just speak. You can hear the accent a little bit, but they tone it down. They go back home, and it's just like... I'm like, what's going on right now? Like, what is, like... Yeah, so that's that's a unique aspect, too. But I always recommend Boston, because I think it's a good representation. California, you know, it's my hometown. Of course, I want people to go and experience that. But it's so unique. Like, you got to remember, I, I, I was born in San Francisco. So San Francisco is one of the most diverse places on earth, right? Yeah. So if you go there and that's the only place you've been in America, that's great. Yeah. You know, it's not a bad representation, but it's 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 like, yeah. it's like, it's not really a true, yeah. well, rever- you, it's not a true you, representation. You'll, you'll end up thinking everybody uh, loves international food, votes Democrat, right. Right. loves gay people. Right. Whoa, back yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, yeah, that's not, yeah. yeah, that's not, that's not it. Yeah. So it's a great place. And like, I, I really wouldn't want to settle down anywhere else, but like San Francisco yeah. or Northern California or something like that. But for someone else, if they want to like a, a holistic picture of what America is like, don't go to San Francisco or California. Don't go to New York or, you know, mm-hmm. Miami or anything like that. Because these are unique places. <laughs> yeah. where, Miami right? would be great, but right. you'll be like, everyone speaks Spanish. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Like, well, it's over 50% that the first language at home is Spanish. 50% of Miami. Right. That's, almost, that's, that's Southern California as well. Yeah. That's SoCal as well. So yeah. these are unique places. So I always yeah. say, hey, they're probably, the, you know, you're going to have the most fun there for sure what? but you're, yeah. gonna, you're gonna get lost in the sauce for sure so bringing it back to japan hey so your second time around yeah so this is your second time this is my second time yeah around. yeah so uh you decided after so not to do kansai just some advice and plus probably just other things tokyo's attraction of tokyo and mm. um i guess when you were here the first time you were in tokyo too. although i know you didn't you know maybe make the most like, right. business yeah. life connections but you had those friends the basketball crew you know yeah. probably those kind of things made it a little easier to come out here 
um, then you decided you could get your way into uh, the fruit shop. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so what's up this second time? Second time, man, I'm tr- I'm I'm really gun ho on this uh, entrepreneurial thing, man. So I um, I have a I have a background in uh, like entertainment as far as like artist management uh, production from like uh, not like uh, production as far as like the studio make or, studio or making yeah. beats, but actually putting bodies of work together yeah. like you know, producer style more. Exactly. like when they say a movie producer is yeah, like that. exactly exactly yeah. so i have i have a big history with that and uh i did a few tours of like south by southwest so i definitely um know a lot of artists a lot of booking agents a lot of uh managers and stuff like that so really you know i, I sat back and was like how can i leverage you know my network uh the skill sets that i already possess uh, my passions, my hobbies. How can I put that all in one big ball and like you know run with that? Mm-hmm. So that's actually what I'm doing right now. So um, a good way to kind of explain it is like uh, somewhat of like an all-encompassing agent. So um, I work with a lot of foreign artists that um, want to grow their brands as far as like. Uh, uh, international audience and stuff like that or or go out of their their network and in this day and age like people aren't really understanding like how to monetize you know the, the music industry with the big labels going down due to like music pirating and stuff like that and even though everyone's pirating music music is being consumed at a like like it, the numbers are crazy. More people are actually consuming the music, but they're not paying for it, right? Mm-hmm. But if you have a larger audience, you're you have an opportunity to monetize it, but no one really knows how to, right? I think people feel like actually, I don't think that people are any more adverse to paying than they were in the past, right? Per se, I right. think the problem is now there's this soft and fuzzy element, the relationship right. between the listener or the consumer and right. the producer, or, you know. And the I think that back in the old days, like if you wanted to listen to that CD, you had to go down to right. the, the, the CD shop and right. buy that, you know, 13, 14, 15, right. sometimes $20 CD. Right. You know, and now you don't have to do that. And yet they still want to insist on that model in some ways. Right. And then you're like, wait, this is not an right. up and up transaction. Exactly. And you want to act like I don't want to pay for anything, but you still want to deliver in this package that's outdated, right. that limits me, right. that charges me too much for what right. you give me. It's not a fair relationship. You see people on Kickstarter give right. away money. Yeah. They're happy yeah. to give away money to two bums in a garage who just put up a cool video, have a cool idea, and connect with them and are honest about what they want. People want to support more than ever. However, they want an experience now, yeah. right? So just delivering a CD and telling your story, that's not a, not enough, right? They, they enjoy that. They'll consume that. Yeah. But what they want to pay for is a, a unique experience. Yeah. That's why... Authenticity, too. Authenticity. Not so that, fake. You know, the, the movie industry is a, that problem, right? right? There's no reason why, like, Netflix all did one thing where they went, like, all the episodes are going to come out. There's right. no reason to make you wait every week. That right. was because old TV was a network broadcast yeah. system. Yeah. We don't and it was based to, upon you know, commercial, yeah, commercialism and all but that. But now we have so, a fee that right. we have, we charge you every month. Right. And then you get to watch Luke Cage right. all at once. Right. That just came out recently. I'm going to watch that today, I think. But, um, and you know, and then that whole horrible, that stupid DVD window. Okay, you got to go, it's in the movie theaters for three months. You can't get it on your iTunes right. or your DVD forever. It's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 
it's right now it's the wild wild west of the music industry right so how do you feel that connects with like then why japan you said you have a background in that yeah i take it that's from the states you could have done this in the states well it's funny because japan actually follows the old model as far as actually purchasing music right so you have you have this uh um you have the states you have uh, europe and all those places and they're they're kind of in uh in flux right now yeah. right so you have great artists you have music being created and curated but no one knows how to monetize it right no one does but then you have japan well, they'll gladly still pay 15 to 20 bucks for an album. And you have Japan. It's 30 now, I checked. I haven't bought a 30. CD in ages. A lot of them are $30 now, 3,000 yen. You got, you got Japan where Japan's the size of California, give or take. And you have J-pop artists going platinum in Japan alone. They don't, no one outside of Japan has to hear not one song of the music yeah. and they can, you know, they'll go platinum. Yeah. That's like crazy. Think about yeah. it. Think about it. A Californian artist going platinum just in california well the population is different too. the population is yeah. different but just like you yeah. know just think about that yeah, that'd, yeah, that'd, yeah. Be, that'd be crazy like yeah. you know like that's just crazy but that that's that's what happens well we walked by uh tower record today there's no more tower record in america no you know? and there are and look they're in decrease like the number of classic big super record shops is decreasing in japan too right but still for right. tower record to still have this giant building in the middle of shibuya yeah, still it means music, something crappy music something. out of the building and still sell something it means something yeah. and i think I feel like I have an advantage or individuals that are in Japan and they, but they've experienced, you know, uh, the, the recent, um, um, the recent going ons of like the music industry in the States. I feel like you have an advantage because Japan at times is like a time machine, right? So it's like, if you, if you've been in the States for any type of stint and then you come to Japan, like it's almost like you have the cheat code. Like you, like, like someone said that Japan is like the future in the 1990s. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was listening to a podcast or something that came out. I was like, that's so perfect. Yeah, it's, it's the future, but yeah. it's the future when we were in the 1990s. Like Japan still has blockbuster. Like if you go to Satya, you're like, wow, there's still written yeah. DVDs. Like you, like this isn't. You, go, you know this isn't gonna. Yeah. You know this isn't gonna last, right? Yeah. Like, it's but like, Satya's doing some other. They are definitely branching out. Uh, if you go to the not the blockbuster was blo no no but not the DVD rentals you got to go to like the Staya bookstore like amazing bookstore like like and a whole different concept of space and it's pretty interesting I Block, know that blockbuster was branching out too before they had they had their online thing remember yeah. they had their own, I'm not saying Staya might not be in trouble but right. it's different it's a little different you have to go to the check out these uh, T sites and yeah these uh the T site up in Daikanyama and the uh, Staya Electric like yeah. the whole they like I think. People still want analog spaces, but you got to do them right. Yeah, the, the 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 video rental place next to the train station. That's yeah. If, yeah. They, if they're not figuring out how to get out of that, and I used to be on a Styles version of Netflix, like yeah. back when Netflix was the DVD right. uh, rental thing, you know, not not the online. Right. But uh, it was mad. It was like such typical Japanese online service, yeah. so cryptic. Right. And they would just use all these katakana words to describe things that had no meaning. I right. couldn't understand what the system was. Right. Uh, order. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, and if exactly. you faster order, your order will come fast. Like, right, yeah. you didn't tell me anything, yeah. and I'm clicking on this site i'm frustrated right. i'm being so angry right. at that site right. it's so crappy yeah so uh, it's, it's definitely it's definitely a time machine and it's like uh it's a blessing and a curse at the same time because if you're here for too long 
then you become like you're like you're like well, yeah, you're, no. you're, you're trapped in the past right? oh so you're past you're, you're trapped in the, the galapagos island exactly so refer to the japanese cell phones you know before smartphones right the japanese cell phones were the best in the world right. but they only worked in japan they right. had these weirdly japan oriented features you right know? now we talk about emoji like it's nothing right but in 19 you know in 2000 in 98 99 yeah. or you know early 2000s this emoji stuff was only japanese right. phones right. i understood what this stuff was you know exactly. it's weird exactly but uh yeah so i think that's the, i think that's like the hidden opportunity for sure so i'm trying to you know definitely take advantage of understanding both cultures to an extent understanding how business is done on both sides to a certain extent and kind of be the liaison or the bridge for artists trying to diversify and grow their brands. And it's not just for Japan. I feel like Japan is just the hub for Asia, mm -hmm. but I think there's so much opportunity in yeah, Asia, yeah. so much. But I think in order to um, like not infiltrate, you know, cause it's, it's yeah. you're not really trying to infiltrate mm -hmm. anything, but in order to actually get into the, Asian like network from a music standpoint, you gotta you have to go not even from a music standpoint, from an entertainment standpoint, from a fashion standpoint, from a technology standpoint. You kind of have to go through Japan because it's like the tastemakers of Asia. Yeah, right. So once you can kind of figure out the puzzle a little bit in Japan, and you can and Taiwan, you, Singapore, exactly. Southeast Asia, man, right. That's, right. Southeast Asia, kind of Greater East Asia. Yeah. China has its own kind of whole other bundle, which could be interesting, but. I think I think in ten years, like Asia's gonna have, they already have crazy buying power. But yeah. as far as like their influence in entertainment, it's yeah. still not there, right? It's still you know that's still that's Western, what's weird Western about Blade Western. Runner, right? People forget Blade Runner was set in L.A., mm. but so much of the influences is like this Asia, you know, right. like this almost like Tokyo slash Shanghai slash American Chinatown right, right. mix, you know. Right. I mean, all the none of the main characters were Asian and it was right. typical right. <laughs> Hollywood pandering. But it was interesting that they, they already saw that. That's an almost 30-year-old movie. Yeah. They saw some of that. And it's it's like one of the things I think we're gonna see pretty soon is like uh definitely the Asian entertainment uh like sitcoms. Yeah. reality shows everything it's going to blow up because mm -hmm. now these individuals they have more buying power right yeah. so they're they're you know number one number two number three you know yeah largest economy in the world yeah. on any given day and when that happens people want to see themselves in certain situations they yeah. want to see themselves on the television but i also like think non-asians are going to start having asian heroes and they're going to they already, for, yeah, they already know, do. And they but, already but do. But it's still Bruce Lee, or it's still right. It's still not in the way you know. You ask a bunch of Asians who've never been to Europe or America or a white person's country, um, name a really handsome, famous movie star, and have them say Brad Pitt. Right. There's gonna be a future where we're gonna say some Asian dudes for know, sure. Korean actors for sure. And those of us that, who are not Asian at all, are I think that's gonna be sooner than you think. Yeah, I, think, yeah, I, don't I think, think it's. I, think I don't think it's hundred years out or anything. I, I agree with you. I think that's the next ten years, yeah. but I think it's based upon the economy is increasing because when the economy increases you have more you can you you want to see yourself being represented but you can actually make it happen yeah so when that when that's the case you start seeing people being implanted just yeah. like you see like uh like korea i read this article about korea the korean government has a monopoly of the k-pop industry and that's like that yeah. was like the craziest thing well, like they think like, it's, a, it's a cultural asset they right as an economic that was crazy. That was crazy. But just think about that. Like, think yeah. about that. But if you if you really dissect 
the dichotomy of that is like the entertainment industry has so much influence. Why wouldn't, you know, mm-hmm. the government get behind that, get behind something with so much influence already yeah. and try to control that to an yeah. extent? I mean, there's issues in the, it, but... in the States. In the States, they try to control it, but it's, it's censoring, right? Yeah. It's censoring. It's not, it's not, it's not massaging it and, well, and our, helping it, think, helping it grow. It's like more, has, it's more censoring. I mean, censoring. we have certain built-in advantages, you know, being early to the scene of right. modern entertainment, modern capitalism, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, plus our natural cultural tendency as a country to not, to think that free, freedom uh, of speech, freedom of speech or that expression should be separate from government. Right. Um, not that, the, you know, not that the Koreans solely don't believe that, yeah. but this is a country that in a very short time has gone from, you know, a post-Korean War backwater country, right. Asian, East Asian country, to one of the, you know, a small, medium-sized country, but a powerhouse medium-sized country. Right. You know, nobody laughs at Samsung. And, right. No. You know, people used to think, you know, having a Hyundai or a Kia was like a crappy thing. Right. No, car and driver gave like Kia Soul the best, yeah. you know, Green Car of the Year Award or right, one of those right. magazines, you know. I mean, it's crazy. You right. know, Korea's, Korea is very uh, net savvy. Right. You know, they're, they got great food. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great place. But um, and that, that's just one example. We mm. can talk about Taiwan. We can talk about Singapore, Thailand, a bunch of countries right. that have a lot of interesting cultural, you know, impact. Um, yeah. So I guess, so what, what would you say is like, what, what do you see mid to long term? For you slash your business, where would you like to see yourself? You know, in that's a good question, man. That's a good question. Again, again, like um, I definitely want to be a part of this transition in one form, fashion, or another. And I think um, you again, like example being uh, like the foreign companies like foreign record labels trying to get into Korea and being kicked out, like, no, you can't, you can't have a piece of this pie or, um, stateside artists trying to sell in Japan and making, uh, Japanese unique albums. Let's say like an artist, like, let's say like Michael Jackson did it for a long time. He made albums and he would have like the special Japan version. Right. And it's all this, like trying to infiltrate like the Japan, you know, yeah. like some like, artists today do it. Right. Too. I've seen like even on uh, Apple Music, you'll see something like uh, Japan two albums, Japan exclusive. They have a couple, you know, two more songs on there or something. Um, nothing blatantly pandering to Japan. Japan. Right. They just it's a little extra, and the right. Japanese audience gets it. The right. other audiences don't get it. So you get a little special differentiation. But I think it's it's a it's a formula to that to success when doing that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it, they're not. No one's doing it for fun. You don't see you don't see a Thailand exclusive album, you know, like this. It's a reason why they're doing it. It's it, the the buying power is here. The that the ask is here. Like uh, if you look at the Live Nation uh, touring numbers, are crazy in Japan. They're crazy in Japan. You look at the J-pop touring numbers, like these J-pop groups, like they they make a living in Japan. They just they tour this one little island and they're just they're they're killing it. So it's like so much possibility here and with globalization like being like happening right in front of us on a day-to-day basis the world is getting smaller so fast it's like you 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 need someone to be able to interpret what's going on and be able to help you with localization yeah. and being able to help you take advantage of, of these different opportunities that, that are here i think there's i think 
honestly, I, where I think the biggest opportunity is for everyone is so much money on the table for almost all artists, all established artists, there's money on the table. Let's say the Philippines, right? The Philippines, let's, if you look at the, like the spot, I see, I've seen some of the uh, Spotify, like streaming numbers, right? They stream like crazy in the Philippines, right? But they don't, it's like a third world country. So they don't have the, the money to like really like support a tour or, or bring a big name artist out. But you have fans there. That's money on the table. They might not be able to give you your asking rate, but they still, they can, you know, there's there's still money on the table. And I feel like in a global market yeah. like this, you have to cater to these to these different local lo localities. Yeah. Well, and your cost is set up in the Philippines. Sure, they can't each dollar, each person that can give you amount can only give you a, a dollar amount. Right, right. But it's also less dollar amount to set up in the Philippines. Right. And if you got enough of those fans, it's right. still worth your time. Exactly. And the recognition. Right. And we never know, right? You people can you can laugh at the Philippines today, thirty right. years later, Asia's leading economy. Right. Exactly. You never know. Yeah, you never so know. Don't, you never you know, know. don't, you don't never ever, know. you know, sell anyone out. And it's it's just money it's money on the table. And I think um the language barrier in Asia is, and the cultural differences, it's like they can't connect and they can't tell the story of what's going on. Like, hey, you have fans here. People want to touch you. It's not that they don't want to pay you what you what you normally get. It's that it's a different culture. Yeah. Uh, your your music is big, but it's not as big as this stateside or in Europe. But it's yeah. like you still need to take advantage of this. And I think as you know, I kind of call myself like a brand manager. It's my responsibility to help you grow your brand and then at the same time leverage it. To make the to make the most and help you know show show growth. You don't want like it's if you're if you're asking for twenty thousand dollars a show, if Philippines can only give you twelve thousand dollars, why not why not take that? Yeah. What do you what do you actually lose? You don't lose anything. You know, it's not it's not like someone's gonna be like, oh, you went to the Philippines for twelve thousand. But like it's like you don't lose it. It's yeah. just it's just money on the table. Yeah. In your established markets, take your asking rate. And your non-established markets. Don't leave any money on the table. Huge it's, people do that all the time. Yeah, it's, where, it's crazy. You know, they're, oh, uh, you're my buddy from childhood. Yeah. You know? It doesn't mean it's not like a freebie or a handout. Right. It's just that you know that your asking rate, you know, is different from, right. you know, right. when it's different people. Right. And you have flexibility. And because the value is not a one-way street, it's a two-way right. street. Right. You know? So, um, yeah, that's... So if that's your, you know, that's your kind of bigger picture, yeah. what's kind of your next move? What do you... You know, anything you want to kind of shout out or promote well, or I will, just I, I can't I wouldn't say like my next week what I'm doing right now is is telling this story like I'm connecting with these artists so I'm going to a lot more festivals again going to South by Southwest South by Southwest is probably one of the best places to go to actually touch people like artists in the faces it's great working with agents and managers and stuff like that but sometimes like uh you know your your story or your your presentation kind of gets dilute diluted you know as far as like what you're trying to convey and i think if you speak to these artists because there's a lot of artists that are not even dealing with the majors anymore or, or record labels right but they still need to pay the bills and this is like this is another revenue stream 
you know, these growing markets, not even Asia's first, but not even just Asia. You have like, you know, South America, like that's going to be crazy. You know, all the, the brick nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, like this stuff is like this stuff is next. And you need someone to be the liaison to take advantage of these markets because they're real. They're here. Right. Like they're not they're not on the forefront, but they're here and they're moving. And if you only cater to them or appeal to them once they're established, it's too late. It's, it's, it's too late. It's too late. And the reason why it's too late is because they've already curated their, their own artists and stuff like that who've, who've been catering to them since 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 day one. So it's like you either get in on the ground floor or you, or you get left out. And you, know. you got to wait for the next wave. Exactly. Which, you, know, you never know when it's coming. Exactly. And, hey, look, we only have so many waves in our lives. Exactly. Right? Only so many times. Yeah. Exactly. So my company, 3MA, uh, three moves ahead. That's, that's our era of focus. So right now, we have like 100% concentration on Asia, specifically Japan. We want to uh, kind of um, establish like a, like a touring, like, you know, just dates that we consistently hit year in, year out. I'm an, kinda... I'm an imaginary board member, by the way. <laughs> definitely, definitely, Getting definitely, in. definitely. The ground, the ground floor, ground floor. Yeah. I'm the worst, too, because I don't do shit. I'm a legacy board member. <laughs> I just sit there and complain at board hey, meetings. I hey, veto that's, stuff that's, that's random. Hey, we, need, we need that. We need that voice. Need that Carl Icahn at the Apple yeah. board meeting. He just yeah. goes in and just like, like, what do you do? Like, like, horrible like, disruptor. Like, what do you do? Are these, oh, these, I, these leaks sound like they're coming from you anyway. Uh. Yeah. But can't get rid of me because I'm in like the le- in the legacy part yeah. of the contract. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> nah, nah, I'm I'm you know definitely uh, cheering no, for you. Yeah, I appreciate you. it, man. I appreciate it. But I, it's it's so much opportunity. So it's exciting, but it's like uh, everything moves so fast. So at the same time, it's 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 humbling, and the culture is completely different as far as how you do business in Japan, not even just Japan, Asia. So it's like so much to learn in so little time, but the like the opportunity is so great why not you know go through you know jump through all the you know uh hoops and you know jump over all the hills and stuff like that to to get to it because it's it's money to be made it's money to be made all right cool deal man yeah well, uh, thanks for doing this. Oh, my problem. Appreciate you having me. Chance, you know, appreciate man, it. hopefully we can, you know, when things move along, we can do some follow-up stuff. See how yeah, hopefully doing. next time you, you know, you want to get me on this on this podcast, you have to talk to my manager or something. Hopefully that. Oh man, I gotta, hopefully, hopefully, I gotta make you, you, have, you, have, you have to call a guy. To call a guy. To call a guy. You're like ah. Today, you know, or it's gonna be like today we're here with Shaka Haynes, managers, right, managers, right, assistant, right, yeah, managers, yeah. assistant. Shaka said. Shaka said. Yeah. So, oh, so hopefully, hopefully that's the situation, and oh, then, you know, like, yeah, hopefully, man. yeah, yeah, hopefully, that's, hopefully, that's, that's not a that's it's one, those, one of those good problems. One of those good problems. <laughs> like, yeah. Ah, yeah. Terrence on the line. Tell him. Tell him I'll call him. I have to refer to you as Shaka Sama, right? <laughs> Right. Shaka-sama, thank right. you very much. Man. Right. Uh, just a moment, just a moment. Let me let me get my little massage. Right. Oh, my mimosa, my mimosa. Go ahead and let Terrence in. Go ahead and let him in. Oh, Go ahead and let him in. Please oh, call man. call me in about five minutes. This, this needs to be over quick. <laughs> Giant double doors. Right. Yeah. yeah. Louis the Fourteenth, Vatican, and uh, not Vatican, Versailles desk that you sit no, behind. Man. No man, no, no. Always, oh, always. something dropped down. All right. Well, that's it. All right. So uh, yeah. This will be posted up, and hopefully I'll be doing more episodes on Finding Japan. A lot of cool people. And once again, thanks, Shaka. Thank you for having me. Appreciate your time. And uh, hopefully, hopefully you can, uh, we can chop it up again sometime. Definitely. <laughs>